Hi, my name is Sarah. My name is Mujib. And welcome to another episode of Let's Get To It. This is episode 28, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to talk about methodologies today. Yeah, I love that. Right? Teaching methods, teaching practices, and uh, this is where we can really nerd out on a few things, too, <laughs> <laughs> if we want to. Definitely. But yeah, I think it's so important um, that folks know a little bit more about um, how we do the things that we do because fitness, exercise, it's it's everywhere, and um, you, you know you can you can really go anywhere to learn how to squat or you know do lunges or lift something or ride a bike or you know fill in the blank, um, but there is a method to the madness. And not every coach or trainer is the same um, or teaches the same. And so it's really important to, to choose wisely, you know, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about it like um, there's a million things you can do with a sweet potato. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that sensation that's like, um, you, know, you get not just choose wisely, but you got to find what, what, what works for you, you know? And, and we've talked about this before personally, but like not everything is for everybody. And, and part of the, part of the method of a good trainer is to recognize when we're a good fit or when the best thing to do is to recommend somebody else. Um, and that's what I love about networking within, within the, the community and being able to know other trainers and other different modalities that we can subscribe to or, or prescribe for people, things like that. Um, it's just awesome, awesome to understand that there is definitely something for everybody out there mm-hmm. um, and to recognize when that thing is what I have for you or when yeah. the thing is what you have for that person, you know. And I think that's the sign of a really good trainer as well when that trainer is able to say, because maybe it doesn't come from the client. Like sometimes it has to come from the coach or the trainer that maybe mm-hmm. suggests something different. Um, and like you said, either a different modality or a different approach or something. And and that's a lot. And I think also that means that the coach has to have that collaborative mindset. Mm-hmm. And if we're only at, at coming at something from a competitive mindset, like, you know, I don't view you, I mean, I, we're colleagues, right, first of all, but mm-hmm. even before that, you know, I didn't see you as a competitor, you're a collabor- collaborator in this fitness space. So right. if if I can't deliver something for a client, but I'm like, you know what, I, I do have, I think I have the, the right person for you. And that, that's just amazing. And, and the more professionals that can do that, you know, our listeners, whatever your field is, um, you yeah. know, it's really powerful to build up that collaborative network and, and really, you know, take care of your community and your clients and, and really, mm-hmm. you know, serve them. Like it's putting them first so that they, right. they get the best out of the experience, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that's so important. And not everybody does that. Right, right. And, you know, it's, I think, caretaking is a great way to put it you put it really well in that way that you know if I perceive myself as a caretaker of people or of my community or of the people that are coming to 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 meet with me or who are reaching out to me for something um then it is my job it's my responsibility to keep that in mind and to again understand when I am what they're looking for when I'm not, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'll probably use a lot of different analogies throughout this episode because so many different things come to my mind when I think about caretaking or when I think about, um, you know, just providing people with what they're looking for, or what they need, or, or being able to have a little bit of insight for them, mm-hmm. uh, to, to give them some direction. Um, that's one thing as trainers that, 
is true is that we are versed in what we know how to do and we're versed in understanding the body and we're versed in understanding how to get people from point A to point B when they're looking for some type of physical advancement. Um, and to be able to look at somebody and to say, you know, this is what you need or that's what you need. Um, and I can provide that or I can't provide that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for me, that's primary. That's number one. You know, if somebody comes to me and, and they're like, you know, I really want to get into kettlebells, but I got this slip disc and my shoulders are busted. I can't reach over my head. I'm going to suggest that they go to the rehab gym or something like mm-hmm. that first, because I know some trainers there and I know the trainers there that I've trained with kettlebells. And I know that they're going to be able to give you what you need in the form of rehabilitation, as well as preparation for heavier lifting or for more intense exercise practices. Um, but the last thing I'm going to do is take your money and try to, you know, run you around circles to, mm. to pretend like I have what you're looking for when I don't, you know, especially yeah. if it's going to put you at danger, because if we're caretakers, then the last thing I want to do is to put you at risk of greater injury or even stagnation even progressive stagnation like not Mm -hmm. making any progress like Mm -hmm. that's not what we're trying to do here Mm, I couldn't agree with that more I mean that's that's so important and it's just it's this you know this ethos of not doing harm to people that you're serving and I kind of think of you know, when people become uh, nurses and doctors, they have to take that Hippocratic oath to right, to right. not harm people. And um, and it's really interesting because as fitness professionals, we're we're sort of weirdly situated in this wellness bubble because you know I'm I'm not a physical therapist, I'm not an osteopath, I'm you know, but yet we're so inter- integral to uh, just a person's holistic well being and the sort of wrong person can really harm or hurt someone, right? The, um, to have either to be misguided in instructionally or, you know, to be overtrained or again, if, if someone is to reveal to me that they've got some kind of injury and I'm just like, oh, you know, you'll be fine. Let's just keep mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we do have an incredible responsibility and, you know, sometimes I'm actually... <laughs> I'm going to say this. Maybe this is controversial. Sometimes I'm actually shocked at the lack of oversight Mm. of our profession in particular. Like it is, there's two sides of the coin here. Um, It's, it's, it's extremely easy to gain entry into the fitness industry. And I'm going to explain that. Um, Almost anybody can become a trainer. Um, you, You have to pass some courses. Yes. You have to do some studying. Yes. Um, but if, if we're really honest here, like I'm a cycling instructor in order to get certified, I took like a weekend class Mm -hmm, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden I get like a sort of like a card that says I'm a certified cycling instructor and I can take that card to a gym and the club owner is going to say, great, when can you start? And that's on the one hand, it's great to have a profession that's widely accessible for folks. Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, you don't need to get 12 years of, you know, schooling or a master's degree or a PhD. But on the other hand, some, you just got to be careful because some folks, like, I know you are a student of anatomy and Mm -hmm. you're always studying and reading and you, you really care about your craft and you've, you know, like, and, and I know plenty of trainers who continue to do the work, Mm -hmm. but there's just plenty of people like they get that piece of paper Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's, it's like 
you know, they're not making appropriate recommendations or, you know, it's, 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 it's just kind of like a little scary when you think about it. And, you know, and so on on the one hand, it's like, I'm grateful because it was easy for me to change careers. Like we both have come at this industry, like having done things before. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so, I'm so grateful that it was as accessible as it was, but I'm also incredibly mindful of the responsibility I have again to caretake and if I don't know something or you know it's like you know what that's outside of my wheelhouse here's a recommendation for a nutritionist here's you know PT here's whatever it is and I'm like and then you know I'm happy to help you work through other things after you've seen these people right right yeah I had a I had a client once who was he's probably about 73 um maybe it was 71 when we were working together and he had a shoulder issue and you know it was it was deteriorating he had like a like basically a floating bone chip in his in his in his arm um in his shoulder and they called it a mouse is what it was, what he kept telling me it was and um you know i've i've had some different relationships with the shoulder surgeons in the uvm network um that were in the fletcher allen network prior and you know that comes from understanding that kettlebells are great for for rehabbing shoulders and for making strong shoulders and then trying to create relationships with shoulder surgeons so that I can understand more about the shoulder complex itself mm. um, so I can understand why it is and I can know when somebody when something's like you said outside of my wheelhouse and I need to to recommend some something different for that person and you know this gentleman had been training with me for a while and we were working on a lot of stuff that was just like 90 degree not going much overhead really not going overhead at all um and when it came down to the fact that his shoulder wasn't really getting any better um and he was getting tired of the fact that his shoulder wasn't getting better for himself i said you know here's a here's a surgeon in the area like why don't you go and talk to him see what he has to say to you uh see what sort of recommendation that he could give you and you know he had gone around to some different like stem cell organization and things like that people that were trying to give him injections and stuff and he finally went to the shoulder surgeon um first he went to he went to one like kind of medical group and they were like oh you're a perfect candidate for a, a complete shoulder reversal and you know they turn the socket into a ball and they turn the shoulder ball into a socket instead and they stick it um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's massively invasive <laughs> wow and um it's like the last like the last last straw sort of thing mm-hmm. um and he goes and he's like wow that sounds like a lot so he comes to me and he's like this guy says i'm a perfect candidate for a shoulder reversal and i says you know you should go and see this doctor and and talk to him first get a second opinion this guy's one of the best shoulder surgeons in in vermont you know and um long story short he calls that guy and the guy's like well you know i'm in your age range that's really the last thing you want to do let's see what we can do for you and he gives and he gives the guy a great uh, great surgery and goes in there cleans his socket up gets the the little mouse out there like the piece mm-hmm. of bone out of his shoulder um and when he's done with the rehabbing process or actually he's just done with the recovery process mm-hmm. he's out of the sling he's ready to get back to work he comes to see me and i says okay well let's take you through like a kind of a, another intro session so i can assess you and in the assessment i said nah man like you're not you're not to the point yet where you can work with me again mm-hmm. because the things that I would have you do you know he was to the point where he had like a range of motion again but his range of motion wasn't where it could be so mm-hmm. I said you know if 
if I start working with you where you are, all I'm going to do is strengthen your dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to get you into better function so Mm -hmm. that we can actually work together. So I have a relationship with the rehab gym here, um, which is a a facility in in Vermont for people that are listening or from outside of the state. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have a number of locations and great physical therapists that work right with their trainers and athletic trainers. Um, And I've worked with some of their trainers on kettlebell training specifically. Mm -hmm. So I recommended that he go and see one and I put them together and he went and saw that that trainer. And, you know, I think he's still working with that trainer today. He came back and he started working with me for a while before the pandemic. And, um, you know, like I would co- I would coordinate with the trainer who I uh, I uh, recommended that he work with. And again, together as a network, we were able to get this gentleman what he needed. Um, mm. That's the most important thing is yeah. getting somebody what they need. And as a professional, having enough of a network to be able to do that for people, mm-hmm. especially if we're not already working within the setting that has physical therapist or athletic trainers right in the same setting right that, literally i was hanging on the sentence i'm gonna strengthen your dysfunction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think that's actually so powerful and and important for a professional to recognize that mm. some like sometimes the best thing that you can do is say like <laughs> no <laughs> right <laughs> um i'm gonna send you here because yeah, I, I, I just love that and, and why this is so important too and, th- you know, building that network and, and working collaboratively and, and what is maybe different about your local fitness scene is that, at, you know, at least in our context, mm. I don't look at a client and just see dollar signs. Right. Like I'm, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not just like, okay, great, another membership, another body in the door, whatever, you know, mm. um, I think for, for both of us and one of the reasons that we get along and, and we do share a lot of the same philosophy is that, the, again, this notion of caretaking, like I actually right. care, um, you know, I know I don't, I don't specifically do one-on-one training like, like you do. I'm in a larger group setting, but I am super proud of the fact that I know the people coming through the door and their names. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if we do develop more of a relationship where, you know, it's more like the client wants to share and I start to learn more about, you know, what's going on in their, um, in their lives. And, you know, you, you, that's community. Like that's, you you know, you get to know these people, you, you, you live side by side. So of course it's like, no, I don't, you know, I'm going to send you out here so that you can come back to me and you can work with me later so that I don't, you know, (laughs) screw something up for you because I don't want that. Um, and yeah, I think that's just, that to me is just so key. The, the idea that, and it takes a lot to say like, yo, I'm going to strengthen your dysfunction. And we don't want Mm -hmm. that. You've got to, you know, let's take it back and, and, and build you back up the right way. Um, so that we're not doing harm. And I have this, this like literally I need to like etch it on the wall or something. The, the, the the do no, do no harm, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm because it's just so important. Like, whether it's whether it's from an injury perspective or for me personally, um, you know, I'm I talk a lot about um, eating disorders and things like that, and so I also feel like my work is trying to do no harm in that arena as well. Right, you know, right. not create a harmful situation for for folks, um, or I, how I like to call it is, uh, uh, you know, having an exercise space with as few triggers as possible. 
like triggering mm-hmm. events or words as possible, you know, because we just don't, you know, an in, an in, a physical injury is one thing, but there's also the mental state of our clients. Right, and right. there are the sort of the unseen things, you know, when you don't know what's really going on with somebody. And that's where that kind of care and compassion is so important as well, because mm-hmm. the language of your teaching matters. And Absolutely. I wanted to talk about that a little bit, too. Definitely. Right? So it's, it's not just the like, OK, cool, like we've identified you know, um, this particular injury, but that's, it's sort of like the unseen that we don't know and, and, and how your, your language is so powerful. Right. Right. Um, for me, just a little insight on that. Um, when I realized that as a younger, like as a young trainer, you know, like I've been training people at this point since I was 27, you know, Mm -hmm. so 11 years. Um, and when I was just starting out, one of the things that I realized very early on was around shuttle runs, you know, Mm -hmm. and how like oftentimes they're called suicides, you know what I mean? And just realizing that that language, very triggering. I don't know who's in my group class. I don't know. I don't know the full history of anybody who I'm working with, like their family history or anything like Mm -hmm. that, or their own personal mental state. So just taking those certain parts of language, those easy to drop things and flipping them and saying like, okay, let's call this a different thing. Or like, Mm -hmm. let's research a little bit of why this is called this movement. And maybe I can, I can find a different word for this, this, this specific movement that I'm trying to teach somebody. Um, And that was, you know, that was just a very small thing. And not that, not that I even ever said it to somebody and I watched their face change or I never said it to somebody and I like got like a tearing response or anything like that. It was my own, like when I heard myself Mm want to use that language, it changed the way that I, that I approached it. And, Mm -hmm. and, and then it made me reassess everything that came out of my mouth. And I love that you just brought it there because, you know, do no harm is like, that's, it, it I can't I hope we say it 10 more times in this session like in this in this um in this recording because it as a trainer and as people who might be listening to this or aspiring trainers or whatever field that you're in where you're working with somebody in a personal level or on a group level um, understanding that our job is to make people feel as secure and as safe in that space as possible mm-hmm. um, and you refer to injury and then you refer to this mental state. And it's, that's just the truth. Like if I am a caretaker, then my job is to, to carefully orchestrate this scenario that we're going through right now. And mm. you know, can't, can't, can't stress it enough. And especially because language is always changing. Like yeah. people are always identifying in a new way. We're always learning more about each other and community and society. Um, and so we can't there's no nothing is static we can't stop in in one space and say like okay i'm not i'm not gonna read anymore about what's happening in the world um i have to constantly be interacting with my friends and my loved ones who are in certain situations or reading about certain scenarios and trying to always bring my mind back into the space that i need to be able to speak everybody's language for the most Mm. part you know like there's certain Mm -hmm. things where um you know i'm not gonna train 
somebody who loves hate speech or something like that. Right. Like I don't, I'm not going to demean somebody if that's what they say that they need. Again, um, if somebody's like, I need a demeaning trainer, then I'm probably going to try to recommend you find somebody different <laughs> yeah. because I myself in my space and in, in my sacred space, that is my training space. am not trying to bring that demeaning energy in because that energy is going to linger when you leave. I'm like, mm, I was just an asshole mm-hmm. to this to, to Mary and now I'm going to be a, a nice guy to Sarah. Like it doesn't work that way. Um, so again, just understanding language and being able to, to navigate that. Um, and in the fore, like in the forefront, like with forethought more than reacting to somebody's face change or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think of it, and I, and I think in both of the spaces that we've cultivated, um, is this idea of, of compassionate coaching. That's kind of what I've been calling it, um, to give it a name. And, the idea there's there's sort of this sort of mainstream thinking the whole no pain no gain like that fitness has to hurt and um it wasn't a good workout if you didn't feel like puking at the end or that you were really like pushing every extreme i'm in a box (laughs) 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 having fun with that one um and and i'm certainly I absolutely subscribed to that for a while. I Hmm. absolutely fell victim to that like bandwagon that it's just like, yeah, we're here to push. We're here to, you know, we're here to work. And, um, and, and realizing how unsustainable that is, how unhealthy that is. It's, it's actually, it's counter, it's not only not productive, it's counterproductive. Right, Right. Um, and, you know, we talk about it all the time because I, I train with you in your studio um, about this amazing graduated approach that feels like an invitation to get stronger, which, mm-hmm. which I love. Um, and in a way, I, I think we, you know, I'm kind of speaking for both of us, but I think we both align on this. Like, I, I, I want my clients to look forward to coming to my space. I want my, ideally, you know, I want them to say like, you know what, going to that class, that was the best part of my day. Not saying like, oh, this is the worst, you know? Um, And that's just, you know, certainly we experienced at the studio, you know, a lot of folks when they would come in, you know, maybe it took a lot to get there because, you know, you're having a bad day. Maybe you're, you're getting hangry or just, you know, (laughs) things, just life. And you're like, I could think of 5,000 other things I might want to do. And, you know, motivation isn't always there. And so I'm, I'm not going to try to tell somebody, like, you're always going to want to show up for that workout because that's right, just right. not true. But the hope is that if you can get yourself through the door, like if you can get, get over that, um, that whether you're leaving North Country Kettlebells or you're leaving Rev, that like your day got so much better. Like you mm-hmm. said, yes, you walked through the door, you did the session and you're like, oh, thank God I did that. Like, I'm so glad I did that. And, and, and that's the ideal. And, and that you didn't necessarily have to punish people. Like you didn't make people feel crappy about it. You didn't push them to extremes. Um, you weren't saying like, um, the thing that I, that I, I've had trainers do this, you know, I've walked into a one-on-one training situation where the first thing I got asked was, you know, what did you have to eat? Mm. As if mm. like, okay, that, you know, somehow eating or eating the wrong thing is, 
you know, okay, now we're, this workout is punitive because you didn't eat the right thing or, you know, fill in the blank. But I think, I think most people can like attest, like have their own like horror stories when it comes to, Mm -hmm. to fitness and, Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of damage can be done. And there's a lot of people who are turned away, whether it's the gym or a training situation or a boutique studio or whatever. There's so many people that are turned away because of a traumatic experience or a negative experience with, with a fitness professional that makes them feel bad, shamed, guilty, or it's just like every time you walk in there, you feel like it's a punishment. Right, right, right. No shame, no gain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard that one. (laughs) Right, right. You know, and my God, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to make anybody feel like crap at all. And I don't want to feel like crap. (laughs) Right, right, right. And it goes back to what you said, you know, do no harm. and, and, And the act of being a caretaker, like you know, it's, if we, if, if I think about how I want my mother to feel after an interaction with me, Mm. right? Like, do I want her to feel less of herself? Do I want her to feel like if she, you know what I mean? Or do I want Mm. her to feel happy? Like, do I want her to feel like she's the strongest, the, the, the greatest version of herself that she can be? Like, Mm. that's, that's, for me, that's, that's my job. And, you know, the beautiful thing about the kettlebell is that, you know, it, if it hurts, you're doing something wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious. Like, and, and I was lucky enough to have some, the people that showed me how to lift kettlebells, they were old timers. And that's what they said. They said, you know, you should work hard. You should work. Like you should get a good, a good workout, a good sweat or whatever. Like it will be challenging, but if it hurts, you're doing something wrong. You know, mm-hmm. it should mm-hmm. never hurt, hurt, mm-hmm. you know? And and I've stuck by that and mm-hmm. and I've every certification I've ever gone to with kettlebell trainers it's that's that's what it is if it hurts this is how you get away from the pain if it if if this hurts then here's the correction for that if if somebody says that they're feeling this pain then here's the cue to give them so that they're mm-hmm. out of that pain mm-hmm. um it's just it's just the way that it it really is i i'll use driving as an analogy oftentimes um in the sense of like the progression of training but the analogy is also with driving is that if if i just have you in third gear going 75 miles per hour and your car is screaming um i'm not we're not doing the right thing you know what i mean so like if i want this to feel smooth i want it to feel easy for you because again with with the the kettlebell is that's the only way that we're going to progress is that Mm. if it feels like it's easy and and that's if you're swinging a 50 pound kettlebell it's still going to feel easy yeah you can totally totally (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah and that elicits my happy dance because right 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 and it feels good if if swinging a 45 pound kettlebell felt like crap then you never probably would want to swing a 50 pound kettlebell you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like and so you know that's that goes kind of back into what i was saying as far as like finding something that speaks to you you know like Mm if if i'm if i'm trying to find a new a new way of eating like if i'm having some allergic reaction to my food or some gut problems or something like that and somebody's like oh you know you need like a all quinoa diet with no spices on it (laughs) that's not gonna serve me at all you know what i mean like that's not that that doesn't speak to me that doesn't speak to to what's going to make me feel good at the end of the day i'm probably going to drop off of whatever i'm doing and go back Mm -hmm. to however i was rocking so Mm -hmm. it's always just fine you know maybe maybe the best thing to do is to google search like delicious diets for helping with 
IBS or mm-hmm. something like that, you know what I mean? And and then somebody's like, oh, you know, you should stop eating X, Y, and Z because that maybe you should get a test to see if you're lactose intolerant, things like that. And then I can approach it a little bit differently mm-hmm. in this, in thinking about this episode. That was one of the things that kept coming to my mind is that, um, if I'm not getting the result that I'm looking for, then maybe I have to look at something within my technique mm-hmm. that I might be able to shift and mm-hmm. that might get me to my result a little bit better. And again, that, that comes from the, the training practice of like, if, if, if it feels that hard, then there's probably something that you don't understand yet. And then yeah. once you understand that thing, it's going to open the door to it feeling a whole lot better, a whole lot easier. And then, then we can progress. Then we can move forward mm. um, because we haven't maxed out yet. Right. And I'll right, talk right. about that in a minute as far oh. as like maxing out. <laughs> well, a couple, a couple of things coming up for me in, in listening to what you just said. One thing about knowing the difference between fatigue and pain, mm-hmm. I think is really important. And I often preach that on my spin bike in particular, Mm -hmm. but in other disciplines as well. Like, you know, or I'll train with you and, and, and I love this, like a standard question I get from you and I love it is how do you feel? Mm. I love Mm -hmm. it when you ask me that. And it's so important. It's so important. Um, because we're not, it's not like we're using any other metric, right? You're just like, how did that feel? Mm. And, and, and oftentimes I'm like, who, like, I felt that and, and like, and and I have a much better body awareness and and self-understanding at this point in my life, especially when it comes to fitness where, uh, I'm, I'm being pushed and I'm feeling that fatigue, but not pain. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I know where that line is for me very well. And I think, um, and I just try to talk to my clients about it. Like if it's, if it's painful, like if I'm, you know, again, to bring it back to my discipline, if I'm asking you to climb or sprint or whatever it is, um, and it doesn't feel good, like if it feels bad or if it's something on your body is hurting, like you've got to listen to that. If, if you're tired, that's one thing, you know, mm-hmm. because fitness is exhaustive or can be, or it's going to you know, put you out on certain levels, but you know, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to like take you to your max constantly, like the entire time. So I was thinking about that. And then the one other thing that I, I just wanted to touch on, and then we can maybe circle back to the max out thing, but this notion that if you didn't suffer, like it wasn't a good workout, Mm. you know, Mm. I, I think, and I, I, I sometimes sort of see this sort of prevalence. It's like people trying to one-up themselves on level of difficulty or, oh God, <laughs> just this kind of like, I, well, I barely made it. Or this idea mm. of like, again, just like linking this suffering and punishment and, and that that is somehow like it was a better workout because of how like crazy hard it was. And that's not to say like, I, I'm somebody that loves to get down or like loves a challenge a hundred percent, but you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I can't use that measuring stick for every single, like how good was my workout? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, so I just, I think that it just kind of like messes with us, this idea that Mm -hmm. it's gotta be painful. There's gotta be some suffering involved. Um, no. <laughs> right, 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 right. Does it oh my. like I don't know. I threw a lot in there. No, it's so it's so true and just like any other good point it 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 sparks a lot of different um 
kind of trains of thought, you know, yeah. and I think about oftentimes like how how are we in our life outside of fitness and how does that affect the way that we approach fitness, you know, like um, for me, like you, you see me, I'm pretty mild mannered person. I, I, for the most part, I mean, I, I can be, I can have my own outbursts <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, for the most part, like my, my, my demeanor is pretty chill, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's kind of how I approach my training. So like, mm-hmm. You know, I've said this before, and when I first started shooting videos for for kettlebell training, I would have to put, at at first, I didn't put any weights on the videos, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to show people that. I wasn't trying to showcase like, oh, this is how much weight we're using. Mm. But then people would say to me like, well, how much does that thing weigh? And I would be like, oh, that that one's 50 pounds or something like that. And then people would be like, oh, whoa, I thought that was 12 pounds. And so so then because I was showcasing my clients and things like that in some of these videos, I started putting the weights that people were using mm. in the videos so that people could say like, oh, those are two 30-pound kettlebells or that's a 70-pound kettlebell. Um, and because otherwise, everybody looks so mellow. Everybody looks like it's so easy. Everybody looks like they're having such a enjoyable time doing what they're doing um and so people think like oh you guys must not really be working that hard and i was also working in a high intensity exercise setting like at a crossfit gym um and folks were expecting you know at the end of the workout to be laid out and this and that and i said you know i'm i myself i come from a a a labor background like you know my brother's a carpenter like we're 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 builders we're I was a kitchen worker myself um, and also, you know, had other other kind of like odd jobs, painting and and helping people build things and things like that. So for me, the idea that I wouldn't be able to walk the next day after my workout Mm -hmm. wasn't acceptable because I got to walk up and down a ladder or I got to carry this big, heavy thing. If my if I have a damage to my shoulder and now I can't reach up over my head for five hours a day, then how am I ever going to like it's going to mess up my livelihood you know Mm -hmm. and so um again that's that tends to be how i try to approach the training practice for folks is that like this is this thing that we're doing here and and it's a little different too because i am a personal trainer so my job is to make you feel better Mm -hmm. um and to help you interact with the 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 best feeling that you can get and also that's kind of like what i sell you know as far as like that it's that enjoyability it's that that Mm -hmm. that not just the endorphin rush of doing these things, but it's the endorphin rush of, of being like, wow, I did all that and I didn't even really feel that sore. And then mm. we can add all those numbers up for you and all the weight and all the reps and all the sets and how much time you were under that resistance and things like that. And then folks are like, well, I just absorbed all that work, you know? Yeah. Also, because like the first time that we met, you were using half as much weight, you did half as many reps and you felt like crap the next day. So you have to understand that this is progression. You're doing twice as much as you were doing with twice as much weight and your body is just eating it right up and ready for more. Um, And that's what we talked about kind of last episode as far as the elements of fire and things like that. So um, if you haven't listened to It's Elemental, go back and listen (laughs) to that. Um, Because when we talk about fire in the sense of the training practice, it's not my job to burn you out. You know, my job is to build you up, is to get you get you steaming hot, smoke and Mm. go and then get out of here and and take (laughs) that out into your life. You know what I mean? And and go and get whatever you want to get. And again, it's just it that's how I am in life. Like you're, you'll, you'll ask the people that I, I am with, like, that's how I try to make them feel. Um, mm-hmm. it's not about trying to 
trying to break people down or beat people down it's literally about trying to build people up uplift people get yes. people feeling better yes. uh, whether we're in the workout setting or we're co-workers or we're we're co cohabitators or whatever like mm. that's my job is to to try to make everybody feel the way that i feel like <laughs> i guess <laughs> not, not necessarily the way that i feel personally but like to share some of those those sensations and especially when it comes to the the practice yeah. like you're gonna if you if you're a fly on the wall, you're going to see me moving big kettlebells and you're going to see me smiling about it and you're going to yeah. see me laughing about it and you're going to see me dancing about it. And that's how I want you to feel, you know, when you're in my mm. space working out is like you should dance and you do dance oftentimes. After <laughs> I set, do you know? a lot. So, yeah. Oh, man. And it's just this idea that, you know, we're doing fitness. It's coming from a place of joy and a place of love. And mm-hmm. um, and that is super contagious. And I love that. And 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 you're exactly right in terms of you know who we are in the training facility or the studio is who we are outside of it and and bringing that philosophy and and um you know i i can i can speak to my personal experience with fitness was one that was very negative decades ago you know i had a very negative relationship to myself and i used exercise as a tool um, and I wanted to talk about, like, use this platform as an opportunity to talk about this or flesh this out a little bit because yes, I think yes. it's important because I think, I think there's a lot of folks who think that exercise will solve something. Like, I don't, let's just say, okay, I, I don't have a great sense of self. I don't feel good about myself, but I'm going to exercise myself into fill in the blank and then all will be good and I will be happy. Um, and yay. And so that exercise becomes that tool. It's a means to an end. And for a lot of folks maybe listening that have, um, have experience either with an eating disorder or an exercise disorder, body dysmorphia, that you, what you start to realize is, is it's sort of that literal, like hamster on the hamster wheel, like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no amount becomes enough. It, right. And it can have an addictive quality to it. And and the whole reason why I'm sort of bringing this up is I think it's so important for to have a, a healthy relationship to exercise. Sometimes work needs to be done outside of the gym, outside of the studio. There's a there's a healing that needs to occur mm-hmm. um, in terms of how we view ourselves. And and exercise can certainly be important in terms of instilling like confidence and doing a lot of other positive things. So like, absolutely. But I think if as someone who used to use it as a means to an end, like, okay, well, burning this many calories is going to be like my salvation and my road to, to happiness. And I'm going to love myself because, you know, that's, I was thinking about it the wrong way. And when exercise, like, is the destination like the ke- like the kettlebell training session is the is the thing it like right. is the thing it is the joy it is the thing that i'm looking forward to it's not um it's not what's going to make me look this way or blah blah blah, blah. um and so i i'm i'm sure there's you know ton, tons of opinions on this but i just think um for folks that may be working through a past experience or just a really if if the gym really is a trigger or it's been sort of a negative space um for folks and i think for plenty of people 
it is a space of shame or I don't know. I'm sure you get this Mujib that sometimes people think they have to like get into shape to work with you in the first place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's like, Oh, okay. No, like I'll, I'll, you know, I've got to do X, Y, and Z and then I'll, you know, then I'll sign up for that gym, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. We, you know, I think we come as you are like we, you know, we want to work with you, but just this idea. Yeah. That I just am sort of fleshing out on my own that, um, it's not necessarily the tool, like it, that's not going to be the salvation necessarily. And the idea that, you know, I want, I want folks to have such a positive relationship with themselves and with fitness. Like I want that to be a source of joy, like get excited about it as you and I get excited that it's, um, and it, and it really can be, it can hold that. And, and like you mentioned earlier, it might it might be spinning, it might be kettlebells, it might be dance. Um, it's there's there's so many amazing ways that we can move our bodies, and and we've talked about this before. Like it's it's energy, right? Like we're you know we're we're cultivating that energy source, and we're um, expending energy and all, all kinds of stuff, and it's super powerful. And so I don't know. <laughs> No, I love you, it. I love what that. are your thoughts on that. that? I don't. I mean, I know we come at this differently, but but uh, that life experience for me, I can't. You know, I do work out for the joy now. Like it's not. It's not mm-hmm. a negative, and it's mm-hmm. and it's it's like to get to that other side is so awesome. Right. And I know there's folks like very much on the side that I was on, and it's mm-hmm. it's so much better on the other side. Right. 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 But you know, it takes. You know, I had to work through a lot of stuff. I had, I had to work through a lot of things outside of the gym to feel like it was a good space for me and a supportive mm. space. I love how you put that. Like you had to work on the, you had to work on stuff outside of the gym in order to make the gym space feel more supportive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, that was something, and I don't want to lose this this little idea that I had in this moment. So I'm just going to say it to speak to it. But that's something that I really value and love about the way that you approach your training practice and the way that you approach rev and and getting people into the into high intensity exercising the way that you do is that you bring the joy to it you know you can see that on your face you can see that on the other instructors that work with you that you all are bringing your joy into that space and that that's what people are attracted to Mm -hmm. and that's that's setting the tone like you're setting Mm -hmm. the tone that this is supposed to be a joyous thing like you're supposed to be dancing on this bike like we're gonna turn it up a notch we're gonna Mm -hmm. stand up we're gonna put the work in but in putting the work in that's creating joy it's not creating this this continued cycle of 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 beating you up like we're not trying to beat you up we're trying to build you up we're trying to uplift you um it's not and 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 so i just want to speak to that as well because it really as somebody who has spent the time like watching you all grow and has spent the time really kind of trying to figure out what it is what it is about what you offer that is so effective and that helps people so much it 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 really is that you bring that joy to it and Mm -hmm. it's and in hearing you say that you know going outside of that space and cultivating that joy in yourself and then bringing that back into your space it it really is just invaluable like it brings this incredible incredible not just financial success or personal success but like it helps people find the success of what it is that they're looking for by coming through the door in the first place Mm. and that's just it's i don't know they can't say enough about that 
Oh, thank you. Absolutely. It's actually super cool to hear you re-articulate that. And it's Mm. actually super helpful because sometimes uh, it's... You know, sometimes when you're sort of in it and it's like it's your baby or it's your business, you know, people always want to ask you all the time, like, what's your business about? Or like, you know, that you have to be able to articulate what it is you do, your mission, your purpose, all this stuff. And sometimes it's like really nice to sit back and be like, what do you think we do? (laughs) And and actually to hear you say that, my heart is like so happy because I'm like, yes. That's what we do. Right, right, um, right. Like that, that is the, that is the mission. And, and again, we can keep circling back to this idea, like do no harm that we just want it. It's, I want that experience to be joyful for people. Yeah. And if, you know, I, I, I was taking a class with Dr. Loretta Ross and she said, and on, on social movements, and she said, you got to make your movement so irresistible that people want to join like the movement's got to be fun she was big i mean she's she's a legend in in terms of um you know racial justice movement social justice women's reproductive rights like on so on and so forth down the list and she was big on like the movement's got to be fun Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. and it just seems you're kind of like yeah i mean people want to and not that not to take away from like the seriousness but she was like, yeah, there's, there's joy in this movement. There's, there's a party in this movement. Um, and, and you know, that can be extrapolated into so many things, but it's like, yeah, I want you to come to my house and have a good time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I, you know, no disrespect to the group house of pain, but like, I I want it to be a house of joy that you're like, I can't wait to go back. That was so awesome. Right. You know, like that made me, that made me feel so good. That made me feel so strong or I feel so empowered. I, you know, and that, and then that just, it is contagious. Right. And some, sometimes like I, I, I got in the habit of, um, pre COVID for sure. Obviously when I was still holding in studio classes, I would get in the habit of right after class, I would, when, when everyone's endorphins are like up. I would actually ask people to pay it forward. So mm. people would be clean. We'd be stretching, cleaning off bikes. Music is still going, you know, or the outro music or the cool down music. And I'm like, take this good feeling that you feel right now and pay mm. it forward. Mm. And mm. whether it's buying somebody a coffee, you know, the person in line behind you, again, sort of pre-COVID, um, or I guess you could do that in the drive through but, um, or whatever it was, or go ahead and send that text message that you're thinking about somebody or, you know, whatever it was, like take this feeling of joy and contentment and excitement and, and pass it on. Yeah. Like, and I love that yeah. idea that we like, you know, can have that effect, that sort of butterfly effect of right. our energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I love when I'm walking out of North Country Kettlebells, I feel so good. I'm like on top of the world and I'm singing and dancing and right. I feel so good. And to know? me, that's a dream come true. You know, like that's 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 what I've worked to cultivate is that exact feeling. Um, and to hear that that's what is that's your perception of it is just again, it brings that much joy back to me, which then mm-hmm. inspires me to deliver that to people that much more, you know, like, um, 
even when I've worked in settings where the the purpose was to leave a sweat angel on the ground and like you know almost want to puke you know um i would still just try to encourage people like you know just try to walk away from it you know like the if we think about this like combat you know like the one on the ground is not the one you want to be at the end you know you want to be the victorious one <laughs> standing up over point. the bar you know what i mean like yeah the bar doesn't have a brain the kettlebell doesn't have a brain it should not win the fight you know like mm-hmm this is a training practice this is a and you know again i come from a modality where i'm working with this tool like it's that's 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 my training partner is the kettlebell you know and 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 it is its job is to to show me what i'm capable of and its job is to work with me to increase my capability Mm. um you know it's if i'm sparring with somebody in a boxing ring or something like that like and and i'm helping them train for a fight then my job is to help them train for a fight. It's, it's to help them feel better about themselves. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, giving them the, the right challenge so that they have to step up to it, not, not you know, sucker footing them or something like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm there for their benefit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and that, again, is what we how we approach the workout is like the, the workout is there for my benefit. It's not to degrade me. It's not to, to show me what I'm not capable of, you know? And, yes. And what we're, you know, um, just to kind of circle about to that, that idea of maxing out, um, you know, I don't know how many times that I've worked with somebody who in a kettlebell setting now, and we're talking about their other exercise modality, you know, and mm-hmm. somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm trying to PR my deadlift and I just can't get above it, like a, a barbell deadlift. Mm-hmm. They're like, I just can't get above it. I'm trying to try to do two extra two pounds and I just couldn't pick it up. And I'm like, okay, so how much were you picking up? And they're like, okay, it's, let's say it's a 55-year-old woman. And she's like, you know, I was picking up 135. I'm trying to get to 137.5. I'm like, okay. Like, how many times can you pick up 135? Five times. You can't pick up 137.5 once? No. Okay, let's go grab a bar real quick. Let's see what's going on. Because I know in my mind, as a as a person, as a trainer, as an individual, like, if, if you can't make that 2.5-pound jump, it's not strength. It's not mm. your strength. There's something else happening here. Mm-hmm. And my job as a as a as a puzzle maker, you know, like yeah. my job is to figure out what it what's going on. You know, that's You're a that's why I, I love my job. I'm a decoder, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like that person might go and get the bar, and this has happened multiple times. That person might go get the bar. We might bring up, you know, 140 pounds worth of plates up. And I say, okay, go ahead and set up. We got 110 pounds on the bar. Like, this is a comfortable weight for you. Set your movement up. Look at them for a second. Oh, bring the bar closer to your legs. Mm. Oh, oh, my God. Okay, put the 135 on there. Oh, my God. Okay, let's put 137.5 on there. Oh, my God. It's, yeah, mm. put 145 on the bar. Oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, the bar was too far away from your body. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing this practice? How many instructors have watched you deadlift? How many pointers have they given you? Mm-hmm. And nobody ever said, pull the bar closer to your body? Well, then what the fuck was that instructor doing there? <laughs> and so for me, right? like, it starts to piss me off in that setting. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I'm like, and then I got to, after the class is over, I got to go talk to the instructor. Hey, come here for a second. <laughs> like, you know, such and such is in my class and they're telling me that they're not PR and they don't feel good about what they're doing. I need you to watch these people a little closer, like make them do what you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, don't, 
And I think that that's the thing about fitness, and that's that's how we approach what we're doing, is that we're trying to spread our joy to other people. Yeah. I'm not trying to impress somebody with what I can do. Right. I'm not trying to show you up. You right. know, people oftentimes ask me, like, why are you, why do you have, why are you not wearing workout clothes? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not here to work out. Like, <laughs> your doctor's not in a gown. You know, your doctor is in the, the, the coat. Like, your yeah. doctor's in doctor's clothes. He comes in or she comes in in the best clothes. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. it's not my job to show you what I'm capable of doing. You know what I, I mean? I love and, that. And it comes to the point where every once in a while, like, I was working with these, these high schoolers, um, and, you know, we went through six weeks of programming and and in the first three weeks, like they didn't really believe that I was teaching them anything. You know what I mean? And by the sixth week, like <laughs> they're like, oh, my God, like this is great. You know, I, I, I can do so much more now and it feels so much easier to do that stuff that felt hard. And one of the kids is like, what can you do with that 70 pound kettlebell? I was like, everything, man. He's <laughs> like, he's like. He's like like what? And I was like, everything, everything that I showed you how to do, I can do with that. Yeah. And he's like, let's see. And then so I did something real quick, boom, 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 put it down. Not not trying to impress him, just trying to like show him that I'm not lying to you. He's like, well, what do you do with that 88 pound kettlebell? I'm just like, <laughs> same stuff. Like, I don't know, man. Like, that's my limit. But like, I can do stuff with it. And he's, yeah. let me see. So, okay, I'll show you. Boom, boom, boom. And he says, oh, you make it look so easy. And I said, isn't that, that's what I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> if it if it felt hard, I'm going to go back down and wait. And I'm going to make that weight feel easier. Mm. And I'm going to come back up. Like, if it feels hard, then there's something that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I have to go back down and I have to understand that a little bit better. And, you know, you can probably relate to it with the spin class. If somebody's like, you know, I wanted to puke after I got off the bike. Like, I felt like I was going to pass out. Well, what did you eat today? Did you fuel properly? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the first time that I went to a high intensity class and was like laid out on the floor and the person was like, well, what did you have for food today? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I didn't have, I read, it was an early morning class. Like I didn't eat anything. I maybe had a cup of coffee, yeah. you know? And he's yeah. like, oh, well, there you go. There like you, go. When you haven't eaten for 13 hours, right. you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, like my body isn't, I don't have, I've not, I haven't. I haven't fueled my body properly to come mm. and do this. So then the next time that I came to that class, I was properly fueled and I rocked it and I didn't feel like I was going to pass out. Yeah. And I think that the the most important thing, again, is the do no harm and as the caretaker mm-hmm. is to say at the end of this workout, you're you you will feel fatigued. You'll feel like you worked, but you will feel replenished like you won't yeah. feel depleted. And if you feel depleted then take it down a notch or make Mm -hmm. sure that you're fueling properly before you come in here so that we're not bottoming out your tank. Like, I don't need you to spend all your energy in here. I need you to Mm. to leave here with energy Mm -hmm. to go and do what else you need to do for the rest of your day. That Mm -hmm. sort of sensation. Oh, my God. So, so many things. Sorry if that was my my buzz. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So many things there. A couple of things just sort of floated into my brain. I used to I used to say stuff like <laughs> I'd be done with a class and I'm like if anybody's on a juice cleanse <laughs> get out of here. Right, right, right. You know, because first of all, you know, the the body needs nutrients and I'm not slamming juice cleanses. If you want a juice <laughs> cleanse, that's fine, but do not show up to a high intensity high intensity cardio class while on a cleanse. Like they're th- those two things should not be in combination, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm I'm big on kind of fueling for the work, and and also, um, 
you know, you talk about sort of going up, up or down in kettlebell weight, something kind of comparable in, in cycling class, I think is, is leaving the saddle. So, um, for those that are familiar, unfamiliar with, with studio cycling, you know, we're either sitting in the seat in the saddle or we're in a standing position out of the saddle. And, um, when you're out of the saddle that, that can take a significant, um, significantly more energy to be out of the saddle um, than when you're seated and oftentimes when we leave the saddle we're jogging or running is just some of the terminology and body positioning is crucial you know there's a lot of things that have to be correct or you know injury can happen or fatigue and you know etc and one of the things that I always try to um, suggest to, to folks is that um, you know what, if we're out of the saddle for a long time and you need to sit, sit, no questions asked because you know, we might be doing something that is intensive out of the saddle, but you know, if, if we're spending five minutes out there and, and you haven't built up the ability to be out of the saddle for five minutes, it is going to feel like crap. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but so it's, it's again, it's cultivating a space and an environment where people don't feel like they have to do that thing or else well well, everybody else is doing it and or you know it's to not shame people into doing something that doesn't feel good not to ostracize anybody to again i i always think when i when i look back on my own teaching or my own classroom and the students that are in it because i'm in a group scenario if i look out amongst 40 50 people which God, I can't wait for the other side of this mm-hmm. pandemic because I really m- miss those class numbers. Um, and I actually see a variety in and variation in what folks are doing. Then I actually know that I'm doing something right. And what I mean by that is it shows me that the client feels comfortable enough to do what they need to do in that moment. So... Mm-hmm. You know, you know, some people may say, all right, we need the whole room up and we have to be in perfect unison and everybody's got to be like marching lockstep. And trust me, there are some really cool, cool moments, you know, and I'm sure you've seen them on social media where people are doing jumps and tap backs. And again, this is like industry speak. This is, mm. you know, indoor cycling jargon. Um, and it can look really cool to see sort of like this unified movement. But... Um, Again, if if we're doing something and I'm like, okay, I see a couple people throughout, like this person's deciding that they're going to stay seated and this person, it just shows me that you know what you need and you feel safe enough to be like, you know what, I'm actually not going to take that cue right now because either I know it doesn't feel right for my body or you know, I'm this, I'm using this as a recovery today. Like my PT said, you should go to that cycling class, but just like stay seated. Right. Um, and so I, I absolutely love it. And I, and I reinforce that with folks. I'm like, I am so glad that you guys are tuning in and because people can be in a class environment and just think, Oh, if I don't do what the instructor says, I'm not a good student or I'm doing the wrong thing. It's like this so group think. And and believe it or not, I actually do not want to be a cult leader. Hmm. Like that is not <laughs> that is not a job that I want. And to hear you speak, Mujib, too, and also to 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 know you and and how you teach. Like 
I think the best trainers and coaches, like it's not about them. Right, right, it's right. not about yeah. what I can do. It's not about what you can do. It's, it's having this sort of humility. I know what I can do on a bike. I, you know, and I, and, and I do have self-confidence. Like I know I can waste a bunch of people on a bike. Like I know right, that. Right, right, right. Um, I don't have to show you that every time. I don't have to prove to you, you know, all the things that I am capable of physically. That's, that's not the point. Um, when I'm hosting a class, when you are part of my classroom, like it's about you and your experience. And so like my biggest pet peeve, (laughs) (laughs) if we can go there, Mm -hmm, is the celebritization of fitness instructors where it's just like, it's all, and you see this more in mainstream fitness, big fitness is kind of what I like to call it, um, where it's just like, it's about that person and their celebrity and their aura. And, and not that you shouldn't be motivated and inspired by somebody because I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, it's also not about them. <laughs> right. Right. So like if I'm going into a space and it's just, you know, if, if you know, I'm paying you to be a, my personal trainer. If I go into a session and it and you can probably feel pretty quickly if you're just there to talk about your accomplishments and show me all, you know, whatever. And and actually, what I love is usually when when you give me a demo, you're picking up a very modest, <laughs> like you know, you'll you'll pick up like 15 pounds, and I'm like, I know he can do that with like six times the amount of weight, <laughs> but you know, um, but again, it's just like. It's, it's not about you showing me that. And, I, right. and it is kind of, you know, of course, like the high school kids are going to be like, oh, you prove it, man. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I, I, I mean, I can totally understand. I can hear that. I can totally get that. Uh, anyway, that was a lot. That was a bit of a rant. No, I love that because but, it, 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 the reason, you know, you just spoke to it perfectly. Like, if I, and I had to learn this the hard way, you know, like, because with kettlebell training it i talk about the the three kettlebells right so you got Mm -hmm. your first kettlebell is your learning bell second kettlebell is your practice bell third kettlebell is your application bell um so since our whole purpose is to get you to that application bell right but imagine if two things imagine one if the first day that you came in to learn a kettlebell swing i gave you that 50 pound kettlebell to swing um it would be dangerous It would be scary. It would elicit the opposite response that I want to elicit. Like, I want everything to feel so easy that, of course, you can lift that 50-pound kettlebell. Of course, it's not shocking when I put it in front of you. Like, that's what I need. Mm -hmm. And then also, if if the goal is to get you to that third third kettlebell, um, sometimes it scares people. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if if everything that I'm showing you is with a 70-pound kettlebell and I'm grunting and screaming and doing all this other stuff like and you're a beginner or you're like an older person or you're somebody who's just in the beginning of their their strength progression or you're coming back from injury or any number of reasons or even if you just don't like somebody trying to show off in front of you and it's a turnoff to see that sort of thing yeah for all of those reasons I'm not going to pick up that 60 pound kettlebell and show you anything Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to show you how easy it is to do it. I'm trying to show you what it should look like. I'm not. And you know, if I was to get the 60 pound bell, I would 
just show you one rep. I'd show you what I want you to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole point is just to, again, like you said, I'm taking myself out of it. I'm not bringing my ego to it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's about you. Like you're literally coming into my space for yourself to feel better when you leave, not mm. so that, you know, you feel not so that, I mean, if you feel better about me, it's because of the experience that I've given you. I don't want you to walk away being like, oh, Mujib is so strong. I'll never get to that. Or Mujib is so strong. Like I want to attain his levels of strength. Mm. Like, no, nah, it's not about me at all. Like it's, it, I want you to right. feel into your body. I want you to listen to your body. I want you to work at your pace. I want to meet mm. you where you're at. I don't, I'm not trying to trying to like you don't need to meet me where i am i don't need to teach you from where i am i need to meet you where you are and i need to teach you from where you are that's the whole point of the practice like right you know it's and and that's what's going to get you to where i am i said this to somebody the other day like and hopefully you're listening (laughs) (laughs) um but you know i said this to somebody the other day like i'm not going to teach somebody how to drive like some beginner who's learning how to drive, I'm not going to teach you how to drive on the highway in a snowstorm. Right. Right? I'm going to teach you how to drive in calm weather, in a safe setting, in a place that makes you feel confident and comfortable. Mm -hmm. Am I trying to teach you how to drive so that you can drive well in a snowstorm on the highway? Yeah, that's the whole point. Like, that's why I'm showing you what I'm showing you in the first place is so that you can work with that heaviest weight that you can use, but so that you're successful at that. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. if I can make you feel comfortable with the process, then we can add another element to it. Okay, let's go out onto the road and and let's get into some traffic. Mm -hmm. Now we'll add that other element to Mm -hmm. it. But there's no point in trying to impress you, quote unquote, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're probably already impressed by whatever marketing that you saw or whatever I said to you that made you want to come and see me. I don't need to also like show off in front of you. And Mm. I um. This is, I'm, this is from experience though, you know what I mean? Like I'm definitely responsible for, you know, showing off myself in certain situations, not to my clientele in in that one-on-one setting, but you know, like if, like I said, I used to work with a CrossFit gym and, and everything there is like PR, how high Mm -hmm. can you jump? I'm going to PR my box jump. How high can I, how much can I deadlift? PR my deadlift. And there was this one instructor there and he loved me because he would, I would come out of my space, you know, to go and put something away. And I had a little studio in the space. So I'd come out of my North Country Kettlebell studio space. And I'd see like three, like, you know, thick neck dudes, like throwing it up down by a, a deadlift or box jump or something. <laughs> and, you know, I'm coming down there, I'm essentially wearing like khakis and loafers. Um, and like, I walk, I walk up and I'll say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, you know, Johnny's about to PR his, you know, box jump. And I'm like, Oh yeah jump up on the box or something or Johnny's about to PR his deadlift and I'm like oh yeah pick up the deadlift real quick and then just walk off and one and but you know that made Johnny feel like shit Mm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and that's not my job like Mm. that's my ego speaking you know that's that's me showing off Mm -hmm. that's me knowing that this other instructor loves it when I do shit like that so Mm. I'm gonna do it and I want my goal wasn't to make Johnny feel like shit 
I had to look in hindsight and be like, damn, that probably made Johnny feel like shit. Like, mm. he's been warming up for 25 fucking minutes. Sorry for cursing so much. I'm getting, like, <laughs> amped up about this. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, Johnny's been warming up for 25 minutes to do this thing, you know? And he's about to, like, maybe hurt himself trying to do it. Like, he's going to skin his leg trying to hit that box jumper. He's going to make his back sore trying to do that deadlift. And I'm going to mm. jump in front of him and just, like, pick it up and show him what I can do and walk off smiling. That's not that's not what it's about. That's not what we're supposed to be about as trainers and as instructors and as caretakers and you know, mm. that that again, that, that kind of like drives my methodology is like, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get you where you wanna be, it's by helping you from where you're at and taking you there and guiding you there. Um, almost well, hand yeah. in hand. Yeah, and I and I think and thank you for sharing that experience because I think it's also important that people know that, you know, it's not like we haven't made mistakes. Or, you know, that we don't battle some of these same things like ego and fitness. And certainly, you know, because, you know, a very real fitness is it is about it it is very much about the body. It's very body. It's body centric. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we've all been there, whether it's showing showing our strength quite literally in that kind of situation, which kind of feels like a little bit of machismo, you know, like what happens, you know, in the, you know, in the weight room. And, and also from another side to it is, you know, how one's body presents, like that's a big issue in, in fitness, I think. And in mainstream fitness is, um, I think it's really dangerous to associate effective trainers and coaches with their looks necessarily or mm-hmm. judge here's here here's let's peel back the curtain in fitness a little bit too in fitness marketing right mm-hmm. what big brands or companies want to do is they want to they want to highlight a particular trainer and let's just say body and part of what they're going to try to sell you is do this thing so you'll look like that mm-hmm it's just a huge, I mean, come on. It's a huge, the, the beauty industry is riddled with this as well, right? Like you see the person selling the product. Oh, well, my eyelashes look like hers if I buy that product. Um, will my abs look like theirs if I, you know, buy the shake weight? Mm-hmm, <laughs> Remember mm-hmm. the shake weight, everybody? I do, I um, do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and, you know, they'll put a super jacked, oiled up dude holding the shake weight and people are like, oh, okay. Um, and it, and it continues to happen. And even in my own corner of the world, and I'm actually getting back to something you kind of referenced, Muji, believe it or not, but I, I'll have a client, you know, or multiple clients, actually, they'll say, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. This has been particular to my experience. I want Sarah DeGray arms. Okay. I have, uh, for those of you that can't see me, this will be on YouTube, but I have a, mu- a muscular physique, let's just say. Um, and uh, I got it from my mama. Like, you can, I can show you a picture of seven-year-old Sarah, and I have the same arm muscles. Like, so there's there's something to that. But my response was not... Okay, well, you know, keep coming to my classes and you know, you can look like this too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know whose voice that is. <laughs> um, but my response is always like, well, you can't have Sarah DeGray arms because these are my arms. Right. And you're not me and I'm not you. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. I'm saying that to just be like, 
well, how about having your own arms? And like, because Mm -hmm. your body's great and it's fantastic and it's, you know, doing all this work. And I just don't, I've, I've never been comfortable with this idea of sort of like selling what, selling what I do, like, oh, you can, you can look like me or look like our trainers as long as you come into this space. And I understand that certain, you know, certain activities you might present differently, right? Because, you know, if you're building up your arms and your shoulders, or if you're doing a lot of push-ups, that's going to result in X, Y, Z. And if you're somebody that runs daily, you know, you're going to develop certain muscles and and whatever. So I, I get it that our physique is, you know, potentially malleable. And then, of course, nutrition matters. It's complicated. But the point is... I, I, again, what, what really sort of gets me fired up is this idea that we are still marketed and sold a lot of fitness based on that spokesperson, that body, that, that person that's sort of, you know, doing the thing. And I'm, you know, I news flash, like chances are that the yoga studio that you're going to or the gym or, you know, wherever you're, you're your instructor's a real person and you, they, they look how they look and whether or not they're good at what they do has nothing to do with how they look with their shirt off. Hmm. Like, I don't know. <laughs> totally, truth. <laughs> but again, and, and it, it just goes back to also the like, it's not about me, it's not about you. I'm, I'm not up there, you know, to, at, at least for, for me, like, I'm not up there to show off anything to hope that you're thinking like, you know, oh, you want to do this to be more like me. No, please. No, (laughs) I just like, I don't know, but there's a lot of trainers where the, the business that we're in actually attracts a lot of that personality, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that cult of personality. A lot of people are thinking that way that are on the podium or the ones that are doing the coaching. So they're out there. Right, right. Totally, totally. But just think to yourself, like, okay, well, does that, does that person actually care about your well-being? Mm. And, may, and maybe, maybe they do. I don't yeah. want to assume that they don't because they might, you know, like to check out their own body, whatever. Um, but <laughs> anyway, I'm kind of off on a tangent, but I do, I do think that's important in terms of our, our, our methodologies, just this idea that, um, you know, I, I, again, I want, I want my clients to, you said it, you said like about the best version of themselves. Like I want my, my clients are amazing as they show up, like however they get in the door, they have, you have everything that you need, everything that you've ever needed, you already have. And my job and Mujib's job is to cultivate that. It's to bring it out. You've exactly. got it. There's literally nothing I can sell you that you don't already have. Right. We're literally just guides. Yep, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and I think we need to end there, actually. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so obvious that both of us could just keep on talking about this topic. It's well, just, like, this is what we do. We'll have to have a part two, you know. <laughs> this is, there, there has to be a part two because this is, this is our bread and butter. Right. This right, is what totally. we do. Totally. And if we weren't passionate about it, then we should do something else. Right. That's it. <laughs> right. I love that. The moment that we're really just getting fired up, we're going <laughs> to 
we're gonna throw water on the fire. <laughs> yeah. Or sand on it. Well, we're just gonna spread it out. That's all. Like we're not we're not putting it out. We're just spreading okay, it out. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> oh man. Okay, listeners, viewers. Uh, wherever you are thank you guys so much for um listening to this conversation it's such it's near and dear to our hearts obviously mm-hmm. and uh we will we will continue this conversation certainly again totally totally right? absolutely awesome my name is sarah my name is mujib and hope you all have a great day thank you for listening mm-hmm.